Hello, and welcome to the Journey Church podcast, streaming live from Queens, New York. We're really glad that you decided to join us today. Whether you're a member, attend regularly, or this is your first time with us, we want to let you know we appreciate you. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Good to see you guys here. My name is Mike. I'm the lead pastor. How many of you are glad to be in church this morning? Come on, let's give it up. Yeah. You know, when back in March 8th, when we said, have a good week, everybody see you next week, little did we know we meant see you 18 months from now. But God is good, and here we are, and so we're honored and grateful that you guys are here with us today as we begin a new journey together, uh, you know, what life is like post-COVID, and as we're turning the corner to the pandemic, and we still believe that Delta variant or move variant or God knows what variant. We still believe Jesus is on the throne and that we, just as we sang, right, we will see a new day, a new horizon. Amen. Anybody with me today? All right. Yeah. So, all right. Now, now today we're kicking off a new teaching series for the next three weeks. We're calling this teaching series Detours. How do we navigate the road ahead? How do we move forward together as a church? How do I move forward spiritually or, or personally in my life? And how do I live to all that God has called me to be? Now, as we're thinking about this, I began to think earlier and I thought, man, New York City is an extremely resilient city. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, New York City, we've gotten some, some uppercuts, we got some low blows, and every time we get knocked down, we get back up again, amen, right? I mean, you think about it, 2020, remember all the headlines, New York will never rebound, New York is never gonna be the same, and New York, we're coming back, right? God is doing more in our city. 2012, Hurricane Sandy, Superstorm Sandy, flooded a lot, and man, New York might never be the same, and New York has been just fine. We just look back 20 years ago, 2001, September 11th, a day that forever changed our city. Almost 3,000 people lost their lives, and it's heartbreaking. It's grieving to remember where we were when we first heard the news. But, but one of the things that we look back 20 years later is we see God is still with New York City, amen, and God is still helping us rise above. And, and we've seen all this in history, but in 1976, New York City actually faced its toughest chapter of all. Back in 1976, it was a huge year for our country, terrible year for the city of New York. In 1976, it was the 200-year anniversary of when our, we became independent as a country from England, and now we rose up as America. But 1976, New York City, the largest city at that time, and, and even still, was in shambles. Crime was at an all-time high. There was this serial killer out in the loose named the Son of Sam. He's got some creepy documentaries on Netflix. Don't watch it too late at night or you'll be scared to sleep like I was. 1976, there was a massive blackout in the city that caused the city to lose power for 27 hours in the summer. People were rioting, looting all throughout the city. There was tension between the NYPD and City Hall, so much so that the police force actually went on strike. Uh, you know, that we saw in 1976. And on top of it, to put the cherry on the cake, 1976, the city was about to go bankrupt. America's greatest city was about to crumble. At its time, New York City was $453 billion in debt. 
And I thought my student loan was bad, right? $453 million in debt, but they only had $34 million to pay it off. So if they paid off all their debt, they still had $419 million left. And so the only hope was this, at the time, a teacher's retirement system. That if they could donate some of those pension funds to help the city of New York pay its debt, maybe the New York City would rebound. What did the city do? They rejected it. So only one more option, government. Let's ask the House, let's ask the Senate for help, and ultimately the president. I mean, there's no way the president would let the greatest city in America fold. But that very next morning, then-President Gerald Ford, he gave a speech that he basically said, I could tell you now that if any bill comes to me asking for funding for New York City, I'm gonna strike it down and veto it. New York Post came out with an article the very next day and it said, President Ford to New York City, drop dead. All options were exhausted. Have you ever had a moment like that these last 18 months? Like every option, plan A fails, so no worries, you got plan B and then plan B fails and then you got plan C and then everything just keeps falling, one thing after the other. Have you ever had a moment when you hit a dead end and you're waiting for that little sliver, that little crack of relief. God, just help me. And nothing seems to be working. Maybe for you as a business that you started. And as you're doing your latest projections, you realize, man, I'm, we're not going to make it by the end of the year. Maybe for you, it was a marriage. You said the words, I do. You said the words, I love you. And the other person said, I, I, I don't. And they, they walked out on you. And you figured, how, how am I going to make it? Through Maybe for you, it's just day after day, it's the same routine, right? Same job, same tasks, going home, the same responsibilities, and you just feel like life is a little bit stale, and how do you overcome these responsibilities? What do you do when your back is against the wall and there's no other options? Where does God come in at this point? You know, as we meet together for our first Sunday service, and I was praying about what to share for our church. I mean, it has been more than 500 days since we met together. And I feel like the Lord uh, put this story on my heart back in Exodus chapter 14. And so we're gonna put it up here in the screen for you to see and kind of follow along. But before we read this passage, I wanna give you a little bit of context, all right? Because some of us, when we know the story of the, the Exodus, we know either the 10 Commandments, Charlton Heston version, or we know the Prince of Egypt Disney version, right? We know one of the two versions. And just to kind of give you an idea of what it was, God's chosen nation, the people of Israel at the time, was working as slaves in the land of Egypt. No relief, no help, no hope. And then all of a sudden, God orchestrates these 10 plagues, right? Like, for example, blood in the Nile River, that's disgusting, you know, locusts everywhere. Uh, you know, you think cicadas are bad, locusts everywhere is even worse, right? And so there were like one plague after the next, after the next, all these crazy circumstances that finally allowed Pharaoh to basically say, okay, let, let these people go to their promised land. And so as they finally start leaving the nation of Egypt, heading to Israel, 
Pharaoh has a change of heart, like a what are you doing moment. And this is where our story picks up. All right. So you'll see it here above me. But it says, the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So he chased after the people of Israel who had left with fists raised in defiance. He says, the Egyptians chased after them with all the forces of Pharaoh's army, all his horses and chariots, his charioteers and troops. Now, that would be a scary scene, right? Like you basically feel like you're in a trap, right? Like I feel like God called us to do this. Now we're out in the promised land. And now when I turn back, I see this random group of people that's getting closer and closer and closer. And as they're getting closer, they're getting more and more and more people. And they brought the whole nine yards, the entire army. And you're thinking, oh, no, right? And so the verse goes on. It says this. It says, the Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped beside the shore near Pi Haraiatha. It sounds good, right? Across from Bel Siphon. Then it says, uh, go ahead, Blake. Next slide, buddy. Uh, as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and they panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out into the Lord, right? And you probably cry this out too, right? Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Wasn't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done for us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this was going to happen while we're still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave than a corpse in the wilderness. Now, in this moment, talk about literally being backed into a corner. I mean, the Israelites, they followed Moses for the promise of freedom, but now they're beside themselves, right? They've got no idea what they do. Life as they know it is over. And then when they're looking to Moses for their spokesperson, look at what Moses says here. Go ahead and hit that next slide. It says, but Moses told the people, <clears throat> hear ye, hear ye, right? Here's what Moses says. Do not be afraid. <laughs> we don't even have any weapons, Moses, right? Uh, just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. These Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Then I love this next phrase. Just stay calm. You ever have somebody tell you relax? What does it make you do? Everything but relax, right? Me relax? You relax. Get off me, right? So here's Moses. I know we're outnumbered. I know we don't have any warfare with us. Just be calm. What? Right? Then he goes on, and then I love this part. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Then pay attention to this next phrase. He says, tell the people to get moving. What did Moses say? Be still. Be calm. God says, get moving. Right? Pick up your staff. Raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. Now to give you kind of a picture, Blake, if you don't mind, put that next slide up there for me. Go ahead, hit that next. There we go. Okay. So right now I'm going to be like a meteorologist. All right. We got a hurricane in the forces here in the side, the cold front. No. All right. So what you can see at the very top left is the nation of Egypt, right? Where, where they're coming from. They've got to cross over into this wilderness of Sinai, basically, to then get to the promised land. Now, you see up here a strong coast. Now, you see right here is the Gulf of something. Suez is what I think it says. And then above it is the Mediterranean Sea. In between the two connects what we would know is the Nile River. So there is no way through without getting a little bit wet. 
Now, if the, if the Israelites went south, that is a very mountainous range. And they've never been there before, so they can't run away to the south. They can't go back to Egypt. The only way that they can go is forward. And Moses says, stand still. God says, get moving. Let's face it, in our life today, we face that same tension. God, what, what do you want me to do? God, God where are you? God, I'm, I'm trying to be calm, and I feel like I just need to stay still, but, but you're telling me to get moving. But God, there's a river there, and I don't know how to swim, right? But look at the miracle that happens. If you don't mind, Blake, go ahead and hit that next slide. It says, then Moses raised his hand over the sea. And then the Disney music came in. Prince of, no, he raised his hand over to sea. The Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on the dry ground with walls of water on each side. Amen, right? Now, this passage here, what does it have to do with you and me? Because I don't think God is going to call us to cross the East River on dry land to get to the promised land. And if he's calling you to do that, talk with me first, all right? But here's the idea, right? This passage, I think, brings up an issue with so many of us, and it's this issue of control. When I've got plan A, and it doesn't work, and then plan B doesn't work, and then plan C doesn't work, I begin to freak out because we like control. Now, could it be that God causes a disruption or even allows a disruption in our lives to get us to listen more clearly to him, but also could it be because he's calling us to move forward when our natural instinct says, be still? Could, could it be that God is asking you and I to do something that is completely outside of our control. And so what is that tension? What is that struggle? I think the key word, and if, in fact, if you don't pay attention to anything else, I hope you do, but if you don't pay attention to anything else, I think the key word that God is teaching us in this season is surrender. The control is not for me to have, it's for me to give to him, amen? Yeah. So what do I do when life makes no sense? What's this idea of surrender? Let me give you three areas to surrender, right? When God is challenging us, to trust him and move forward when we don't know what the future holds. Number one, the first thing we've got to do is surrender our fears. We have got to surrender our fears. Now, three weeks ago, our family did a vacation to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And as we went to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, you get those pamphlets, right? You got to do this, you got to do that, you got to hang out here. And there was this one thing that really caught my eye. It was a go-kart racing track, and it was called, are you ready? The track. The track, right? What track? The track, right? And so I see this, and I'm like, all right, man. Boys, let dad teach you a lesson here, right? And for those of you that don't know, my second calling in life, I'm waiting for God to call this for me, but my second calling in life, I believe, is to be an Uber driver one day in New York City. I love driving, whipping in and out. Yes, I'm one of those crazy drivers. God bless you in Jesus' name. But I just, I love the thrill of driving, <clears throat> drag racing, driving in New York City down the streets and making sure you don't get that speeding ticket for 25 miles an hour. But, so when I finally go to a vacation spot and I could go to the track and race how I want, 
oh man, I don't need to pray about it. That is God's will, right? And so I decided, let's take our craziest son, Landon. We're going to take Landon to the track. Now, now, when I was a kid back in like the 80s and the 90s, go-karts were pretty dangerous. Like, not dangerous for like racing reasons, dangerous for like the motors, like the, the, the exhaust and all stuff was terrible, awful stuff. Nowadays, man, the technology is crazy. And so we get there and it's like got a hill and it's got like corkscrews and then it goes back down the hill. And I was like, man, this is, this is a good day. Landon, are you buckled up? Yeah, you know, all right, let's do it. And so we're racing, zipping, and going pretty fast and spinning through here and stuff. And halfway through, I mean, I'm having fun. I don't know if Landon is, but I'm like, oh, no. Am I scaring my kid for life? Did I get him a barf bag or something, right? And I look, and Landon is laughing joyfully like father, like son. Praise God, right? But, but I thought this kid would be afraid. Turns out, apparently, I don't know what he's afraid of at this moment, right? And so I think about a lot of times when we talk about the topic of fear, we are only born with two natural fears. The fear of, do you know what they are actually? The fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. We are all born with the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. Any other fear that we have is learned. It means that we've developed it and we've grown into it over time. And what I've learned is the older we get, the more we begin to fear. Now, maybe as a kid, you feared some silly things, right? Like bugs, like spiders or road. Well, I'm still afraid of roaches, but you know, like other fears, right? And things like that. But the older we get, the more we fear things like our future. We fear failure. We fear not having enough money. We're, we're afraid that the people might not like us. We're afraid of being all alone. We're afraid of disease, afraid that our kids are going to be messed up, afraid that we're going to lose our job, afraid that we're wasting our life. We're, we're afraid that our marriage is going to fall apart. We're afraid of death and fear can completely overwhelm us if we're not careful. David said this in Psalm chapter 55, verse five. He said these words. He said, fear and trembling overwhelm me. I cannot stop shaking. Some of you, you would say that verse describes your last 18 months. Fear is this ever-present companion, and if you don't deal with the fear, it's going to keep you from moving forward as how God wants you to move. So let me give you three types of fear that we all face, all right? Three types of fear. We'll put it up here on the screen. There's healthy, there's imagined, and then there's irrational, right? Healthy fears are fears that keep us safe, right? Healthy fears, that's what keeps us from driving through a stoplight, right? Because, right, that, that keeps us safe, right? So healthy is good. Imagined tends to be when we imagine something that's not real, right? It's when we create a scenario in our mind that might not happen, right? It's when we convince ourselves that a situation might be worse than it really is. And then the last part is irrational. Irrational fears are the most dangerous kind because these are the ones that can be paralyzing, these are the ones that could take a situation from zero to 100 in seconds, right? And the fear that we're facing, it might not be real in that moment, but because we, we're irrational, it allows us to perceive it as very real in the moment. Now, the Israelites, they had real fear, right? The Egyptians were coming. They had no weapons. They were dead meat, literally. And when they faced fear, what was the thing they needed most? It was God's word. It was God's voice. And here's a word I want to give you that we see in God's word. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. 
We, we looked at this verse often during the pandemic, but it says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So if we want to move forward, we've got to surrender our fears. Number two, the second thing we've got to surrender is we've got to surrender the details. We've got to surrender the details. Now, if you know anything about me, you know I'm a very detailed guy. You know I love things specific. Everything's got to be according. I mean, I laid my shirt out to last night. I'm going to wear this and iron it even and stuff, you know. But when life gets out of control, that's when I personally tend to kind of freak out. Well, what's going on? What's happening? I don't like this, right? And I can only imagine the scene of the Israelites, right, when they're losing control, when they had nowhere else to turn, the only place they could turn was to God. Uh, look at this passage again, right? Exodus 14, verses 13 through 15. It says, Moses is telling the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still. Watch the Lord rescue you. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. And the Lord himself is going to fight for you. All of that is true. The last part, not true. Just stay calm. Just stand still. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Now, I know it's COVID, so you can't tell the next person to get moving, but it's an important phrase, right? God wants you to get moving. And I think this is the greatest tension of all. When my plans for my life look like this, and when God's plans for my life look like that, what do I do when they're two different things, right? Moses wanted the people to stand still, let God fight for him. God said, no, you, you get moving, and then I'll fight for you. And what I want you to realize is that anytime God leads you to do something big, anytime God is calling you to do something great, you're always going to face this crisis of belief where what I see with my eyes is different from what I know in my heart. And what you do when you face that crisis of belief reveals what you believe about God. Because I could say all day, I love God, I believe he's got the best plans for me, but when I'm in a crisis of belief, that's where it really becomes real. And sometimes you just have to let go and let God. Psalm 37 verse 7, he says this, he says, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. You know, some of you, you're like, pastor, I've been waiting 18 months, I'm patient, all right, but I want you to know God is not asleep at the wheel. God didn't just fall asleep one day and then wake up. Oh, no, my creation. They, they've got marriage problems. I didn't prepare this. What do I do? No, no. God is in control of everything. We trust God with the details because we trust in the one who created us. Amen. Uh, Psalm 16, verse 9, it says we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. What a great truth. We determine we can make plans, but God is the one who orders our steps. So surrender the fear to God, surrender the details, and then ultimately number three is I surrender my entire life to God. Surrender my entire life to God. Now, one of the sports that I love starts today. It is called football, American football. Anybody in the house who loves football here? Are there any, any football fans in the house? Uh, all right, we got some soccer fans. Uh, any, any Mets fans in the house? Uh, 
surrender, surrender the details, Lord. I'm just kidding. All right, so, but, but you know, like this idea, uh, where I'm going with this in football is I, I love head-to-head action and tackling and things like that. And, and a lot of times in, in these American sports, you know, it's all about athleticism. It's all about the power. And when we hear of a word surrender, we think of passive. We think of wimpy. We think of like, cowering out of the moment. But, but I want you to know, surrendering to God is not an excuse for laziness. It's not accepting the status quo or it's simply saying, God, I am a coward. No, surrender is simply saying, I'm giving it to you. It's almost like in wrestling back in the days, WWF style, not WWE, WWF in the 1980s. But it's almost like I'm tagging God, the one who's greater, the one who's stronger, the one who overcomes, and I'm asking him to enter the situation. But, but here's the deal. In the American church, we've treated surrender as a one-time decision. I surrender my life to God, then I don't talk to God again until I go to eternity. But God never created you for that purpose. God created you to know you intimately, to know him personally. And surrender is not this one and done decision. It's an everyday decision of my entire life. Hebrews chapter 11, verse six, it reminds us of this. It says, it is impossible to please God without what? Without faith. Anyone who comes to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. One more verse, Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six a great one, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not portions, but all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. 1976, New York City faced its darkest hours, darkest season. What it needed most desperately was a, a bailout. Someone to step in and intervene, and at that moment, no one was willing to intervene. On the last hour, the last moment, another pension group stepped in and bailed New York City out. When we see the Israelites, they they knew they needed to move forward, but if they were going to move forward, they were going to die. If they were going to go to the mountains, they were going to die. If they were going to go back to Egypt, they were going to die. What they needed was someone to step on their behalf and move forward with them. And God did the miraculous, parted the Red Sea, allowed them to enter the dry land and killed all the Egyptians that day. What you and I need most is a savior. And thankfully God has given that to us through Jesus Christ, his son. And that we know that no matter how good we might try to be or how awesome we are or how great our LinkedIn profile is, God doesn't look at those things and use that to define us. God looks at his son who gave up his entire life for you and I. And then he looks at us and he says, because my son did all of that for you, you are loved, you are forgiven, you are accepted, and I am fighting for you. We no longer have to fight against God. God is with us and moving us forward. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, it says this, a great encouragement for you and I, for when we're trying to move forward, he says, don't be afraid for I am. And with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Where is God? It's always been here, it's always been with you. And if you doubt and if you're not sure, 
we're here too. Our church family is here to hold your arms up and keep you strong, to help you move forward in faith. If you feel like, man, you're freezing and you're not sure whether or not to move forward, we're here to say, God is with you. Let's move forward together in faith. Amen. Let's take a moment. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for these words that we have heard, God. Such uh, timely words for us to know and understand how do we move forward when it comes to our faith. Lord, I thank you for each person that's here and also pray for those who might be listening to our podcast or listening to our webcast. God, wherever they're listening from, if they're listening on a jog right now or listening in their own home, God, I pray that they would feel your presence as well, that you have never left us. God, that you want us to not stand still, but to move forward in our walk with you, move forward in our faith today. And God, we pray that you'd help us to be encouraged and strengthened and and motivated to put our faith and trust in you. God, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. amen. All right.